Welcome to Peace With The Process, where I bring you entrepreneurs from all walks of life to tell you how they went from part-time dream to full-time lifestyle. I hope you find something in today's episode that you can apply to your own life and that you find your peace with the process along the way. Let's get started. Hey everyone, and welcome to Peace With The Process podcast. My name is Blake Gant, and I'll be your host through this little adventure. I thought we might use this first episode to get acquainted. I'll tell you a little bit about myself and why I created Peace With The Process and the podcast for it. So the title of this show really says it all. You know, we often hear the phrase, uh, learn to love the process. And that just makes me think back to when our parents would tell us, uh, eat our veggies, and they feed us this whole line about how it's good for you. Uh, you know, if you were a young man, they probably told you eat your veggies because you'll grow up to be big and strong. Uh, you know, and that's that's great and all. But even as a kid, you know, you're stomaching those veggies down. You're just scarfing them down to get them out of the way so that you can leave the dinner table or so that you can move on uh, to your entree. You know, pork chop, whatever it was, and you get older, you know, you start becoming responsible for your own meals. And you just, we've all seen, you know, the little triangle of of all the different things we have to have in our diet and veggies are on there. So we know we have to have them. You know, we've all taken a health class. And so we know that we have to throw some of that on there. uh, so So that we have some good nutrients in our diet. Well, we get tired of just having steamed broccoli or, you know, steamed uh, spinach as a side. Uh, If you're like me, I did not grow up cooking and uh, I still don't do too much cooking. I do a little bit and I'm learning, but my wife does most of it here. Um, But, you know, you get older and you start to realize that you don't have to just eat steamed broccoli. You know, you can get better at making these veggies taste better. You know, throw some salt and pepper on it. Throw some, throw some cheese on those steamed broccoli. You know, whatever it takes. I'm not going to give you the healthiest choices. Like I said, I'm not a, I'm not a chef. But th- the whole idea is that you don't have to learn to love eating your veggies like we were told as kids. We can make veggies that taste good so we actually enjoy eating them. And the same thing goes for the processes that we put in place to continue our growth. You know, we don't have to learn to love the process. You can create a process that's easy to love and still gives you the nutrients you need from it. So, you know, still building off this veggie metaphor, uh, the Peace With The Process podcast is where I bring like-minded veggie eaters. You know, the people who are dedicated to growing themselves, uh, shooting for a dream that they have, um, you know, and the processes that they used to get them started on their dream. You know, whether that's a career or a business or a lifestyle, you know, how they tried and failed, tried and failed and tried again and succeeded. And I also bring you the chefs, you know, those guys that specialize in certain aspects of those processes so that you can get a professional's advice on how to make your processes um, taste better, you know, uh, for you and, you know, still get the same nutrients you need. Of course, just like everyone's taste buds are different, so are everyone's processes to get from a part-time dream uh, to a full-time lifestyle or take that lifestyle that you've created up a notch. So have a listen to the show, chew up what you hear, 
swallow what you like and spit out what you don't, you know? All that matters is that you're continuously trying new things to make a process that works for you and is easy to love. So knowing what Peace With The Process is all about, I wanna give you all some insight into where I started and where I am today. You know, give you some, let you know a little bit about who you're listening to. So, you know, take it back to where all origin stories start. Um, I grew up in a small town about 30 miles east of uh, Dallas, Texas. And you know, in these small towns, uh, reputations tend to get passed down from generation to generation. Well, my mom's side of the family, they were all farmers. Uh, you know, they were, they were war veterans, uh, some of them, and they were known to be honorable people. We'd go into town, people shake their hands and say hi. You know, everyone knew, uh, everyone knew who they were and knew their relatives and knew them to be good people. Now, my father's side of the family, on the other hand, uh, it was quite the polar opposite. You know, my father was a drug dealer, you know, uh, did drugs and uh, was very often getting into um, high-speed police chases. Uh, he was fighting the police officers when they, when they caught him, and he was just very much well-known uh, to not be a, uh, a very great guy, you know, around town. And that reputation was also stacked on by him having some, uh, some uncles that were just known for being, you know, a rough and rowdy crowd. Uh, so they had that reputation. And because I held his last name, in a small town, I got tagged with that very same reputation uh, in terms of what people thought I was gonna grow up to be. And so I remember days when I would walk through school and a kid would come to me and he would tell me, hey, I overheard two teachers talking and one of them was saying that, you know, all oh, that kid, Blake Gann, he's just gonna grow up to be like his father. You know, he's gonna grow up to be like his dad, he's gonna be a drug dealer. Or, I'd, or a friend of mine would come to me and say, you know, his, his mom was friends with a police officer and the, and the officer came over one day uh, and in a conversation told him to keep an eye out for me and uh, that I wasn't somebody to be hanging out with or to be, uh, or to be seen around. So definitely not something I felt I deserved at a young age. You know, I hadn't really had a chance to develop into who I was going to be as a man. So, uh, you know, it, it definitely gave me a, a perspective um, and I decided I'm going to change that, you know, I'm, I'm going to create my own reputation. And so I knew that with my dad being a drug dealer was probably one of the biggest things. I figured one of the best ways to change that reputation is to earn a living the honorable way. So at a young age, and my mom knew this as well, you know, at a young age, my mom, uh, she would, uh, she would take me cleaning office buildings with her. And, uh, you know, at this time, uh, her and my dad are no longer married. Because back when I was three years old, he was an abusive father when they were married. And when I was three, he picked up a hot potato off of the stove and chucked it across the room at my mom. And it ended up hitting me in the neck. I still have a burn mark on my neck. And my mom rushed me to the hospital. And after that, she said that was it. You know, she wasn't going to she wasn't going to keep me in that position any longer. And she got divorced. And then she got remarried about a year later when I was four uh, to my stepdad today. So like I was saying, you know, they knew that for me to break that reputation, uh, earning an honorable income was, was one of the ways of doing that. Well, they taught it to me at a young age. Like I said, about uh, 11 or 12, I was cleaning office buildings with my mom. And, you know, I think she was paying me $5 an hour. It typically only took two to three hours. So that was enough money for me to get a soda and some snacks and some chips and stuff like that from when I was walking around town with my friends. 
and soon I got to a point where I wanted to, I wanted to do more, you know, it, it made me hungry. And so at 13, she suggested that I go next door to our, our neighbor who owned a Christmas tree farm. And so I went over and talked to them and they said, yeah, okay, we'll hire you. We've heard you've been working with your mom. And so I went out to the farm and I started working. I, they paid me $5 an hour. I was weed eating ditches, uh, mowing the property, trimming Christmas trees. And at the time they were still building the gift shop. So uh, I was hammering in nails. I was carrying lumber around to get that thing built. And uh, I was pretty much a gopher, you know, go for this, go for that. And that was something that I did for quite a while. I did that and helped clean offices with my, with my mom. Um, and I was making a little bit more money. So I was able to buy some of the things that, you know, a young teenage kid wanted to buy. And it really gave me a good solid uh, work ethic and a, and a desire to, to work for what I earned. Um, so at 16, I got my first job, my first paper job, you know, as I'm getting through high school, uh, flipping burgers at McDonald's. I didn't care too much to do sports in high school. Uh, I, I joined the work program and they let me out of school at 1.20 p.m. I would get to McDonald's at 2 p.m. and work till 10. Uh, and then I would go to bed. I'd wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning. I was still cleaning offices with my mom. So we'd get up at 4 and I would go clean an office with her be done about 6.30, 7 a.m., go to school, get out at 1.20, go to work at 2, and get off at 10. So I, that work ethic just continued, uh, and it paid off. I was able to buy my first car at 16. It was an old uh, $200 beater Honda Civic. Uh, you know, it had a big hole in the windshield. It was missing the front driver's seat. Just, you know, a, a total junk of a car, but it was, it was the only one available that I could afford myself. My, my parents weren't going to buy me my, uh, my own car. I had to do it myself. So I ended up putting about $1,600 into that car with some help from my grandfather and getting it up and running. And, uh, you know, definitely felt very proud to be one of, basically, I think I was the only one of my close friends that had a car at the time. Of course, that comes with some responsibilities as well. They wanted to ride everywhere we went. But, you know, Going through high school, uh, you know, I kind of went through a rebellious stage and I started uh, getting into altercations with my mom or uh, with my employer and started to realize that a good work ethic will only get you so far. And, you know, I needed to I needed to learn how to deal with people and how to communicate uh, so that I could continue to get compliments on my hard work and not have my attitude just completely wash, uh, wash out the work that I was doing. So um I think my stepdad ended up telling me about uh, a book he had. It was Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. And I, I picked that book up, I think, sophomore year of high school. I think I read it probably two times over uh, that next year and just fell in love with the concept of self-improvement and knowing that I could learn more than just academics. You know, it was something that I truly felt was going to progress me in life. And so I love the concepts that I learned in that book. And when I graduated high school, I was looking around for jobs and I landed a job as a warehouse associate for a plumbing distribution company and started working there. I think, I think about a year and a half in, I, was, uh, I wasn't expecting there to be so much office politics in a warehouse position. And I think I was still so young. You know, there's a, there's a thing about reading a book and then there's applying the principles. Just because you read the book 
doesn't mean that you're applying all the principles. And so I definitely had some work to do on my diplomacy. And I guess I wasn't ready uh, because I started to have dreams of just traveling the world. I was fed up with corporate America. And I came across a Facebook post that, you know, had a picture of, a, of an old bus that had the seats ripped out and it had hammocks in there and beds. And it said, you know, do this and, and travel and live that life. I think most people would have just scrolled right past it, but I latched onto it, you know, for one reason or another. And I started telling friends and family, I said, this is what I'm going to do. This is, this is the, this is the goal for me. So my mom ends up buying me a, a couple books. One of them was Rolf Potts, uh, Vagabond. And the other one was Jack Kerouac's uh, On the Road. And these things just inspired me even more. I was hooked on it. And so you know, that's what I started doing. At the time I had my own apartment and I decided I'm going to commit to this. So I started selling all of the, all of my stuff. You know, I got down to a point where I just had uh, some of the couches that my parents had lent me and a bed. So I reached out to my parents again and I asked them, I said, would y'all mind if I, uh, if I moved out of this apartment and back in with you guys while I save up for this trip? And they did, you know, they were very, they've always been very supportive and, you know, they supported me and, uh, let me move back in with them. So I was back in my bedroom at my parents' house. Um, and of course, still had my nine to five job at the warehouse. And eventually I got to a point where I bought a van. It was an old G20 96, I think, Astro van. And uh, I did just like the Facebook post said, ripped the seats out. Uh, with some help from my grandfather, we got a uh, bed frame out of a, uh, an old motor home and put that into the van. We took the back window out and put an AC unit in. He had a friend who was a welder, so we welded on a, uh, a little deck onto the back of the van, and that's where I kept a generator. We had it locked in there specially, so it would be really, really hard to steal. But we had that thing set up, and I had some friends help me out with it as well. And then there came a point where I knew I had a truck, and I was paying insurance on it. I knew I couldn't continue to pay insurance on this truck while I was out on the road, so I decided to sell the truck for money to use for the, for the road trip, uh, or for at least you know, doing more upgrades to the van. So I sold the truck and then I was, that was pretty much all I had. It was just the van and I started driving that thing to work and it really set in for people at my job. They're like, oh man, you're really doing this. I said, yeah, absolutely. I'm doing this. You know, this is a big goal of mine and this is what I'm going after. You know, I'm not playing around. And uh, of course there were skeptics, you know, people who said, you know, I don't think you're going to last a week out there. You know, I think you're going to get so lonely, yada, yada. But then I had a bunch of other people who really supported me, you know, friends who, uh, you know, some of them even claimed to be envious of me, which, you know, it's, it really was an awesome idea. And I was really going after it. And, you know, there was a day, there were days where I would sit in the front seat of that van and just look out the window and think, what, what is this going to be like, you know, living on the road? And... The day finally came. I remember my last day at work, a friend of mine at the, at, at the warehouse, he said, uh, or no, he played the Johnny Paychecks, take this job and shove it on my way out the door. And I think I threw my hat down and probably went back and picked it up too. But, you know, that was, a, it was just an awesome time for me. Everything really felt like a movie. I was telling friends goodbye over the next week or so. And that final day I was loading up in the in the van and you know a lot of my family was coming out to, to wish me farewell I remember lighting up a cigar that another friend from work had smuggled in from Cuba it was a Cuban cigar 
And uh, I lit that thing up and I drove off in the van. Man, I was on cloud nine. You know, I was, I was listening to Tom Petty all the way. And I'd actually gotten into, into contact with a friend of mine from Louisiana. So that was the first destination I was headed to, was to go, uh, to go pick up that friend. He said he wanted to come along on the van trip with me. So I said, okay, I could definitely use a, use a road buddy. So, you know, I'm, I'm going, down the, going down the road just feeling uh, better than I've ever felt at this point in my life. And, uh, you know, I, I get to Louisiana. I hang out there for a few weeks while he's getting some money together so that we can take off. Uh, you know, partied a little bit while we were over there. And then we headed down to South Texas. I think we were in South Texas for about three or four weeks. Went to South Padre Island for a couple weeks during spring break. Uh, made our way up and through uh, Texas as well, West Texas over in Amarillo for a little while. Uh, spent some time in New Mexico, and then we uh, then we spent some time up in Colorado. Uh, and you know, I, I told everyone when I left on this trip that I was going to never come back. I was going to go live life on the road with no intentions of coming back. And <laughs> obviously, I'm back in my hometown now. So adding, kind of spoiling the end of the story here, but. You know, there, there, there came a point where I was in Colorado Springs and we were, we were seeing other, other van travelers, you know, other, other hippies like us. And man, you know, they were, they were dirty and they were stinky <laughs> and, you know, they, uh, they were skinny. And I had already lost like 20 or 30 pounds at this point too. So I was scrawny. I had long hair and it was always greasy. So I was, you know, I was, I wouldn't wouldn't say I was dirty, dirty just yet, but, you know, I was happy-go-lucky, you know, didn't really have a care in the world, uh, lacked good hygiene, we were eating Chef Boyardee out of the can, um, you know, and uh, just just living life, but there was a point where, uh, to be honest, I just got homesick, you know, I really had to decide, was this the lifestyle for me, um, but I started seeing white picket fences, you know, I wanted a, I wanted a family, and I wanted... Uh, you know, I wanted to grow that and I wanted to build that kind of lifestyle. So I talked to my buddy and he said, yeah, man, it's, it's no issue. If you ever decide you want to, you want to lay it all down again and, and take the van back out, just let me know. So we drove back 12 hour, 12 hour drive, which went ahead and went straight back home. Uh, we got in real late. So we just snuck in and crashed in, uh, crashed in my, my old bedroom. My parents and my siblings woke up the next morning and saw us sleeping in the room and so we gave them the whole story and, you know, I told them I was homesick and, and, and was coming back. So after that point, I mean, now there was nothing about that trip that I regret. It was one of the greatest experiences of my life. It was, uh, there's so many stories I could go into uh, about what we did on that trip and just the lessons that we learned and the people we met and the experiences we had. I wouldn't trade it for the world, you know, but... I, I, I traded it in for, for the white picket fence, you know, and I came back and I worked a couple of uh, odd jobs when I got back. Cause I mean, I was starting over from scratch. I was 21 years old, but it was basically like I started over. I was 18 again, you know, from a financial standpoint, I was back still living with my parents, still had that van and I was taking that thing around, you know, when I went to work. And so I started working some of these odd jobs and they weren't paying too well because I was trying to do some manual labor jobs, trying to get into building houses. Um, and so I ended up going back to the warehouse job that I had because they paid a little better. I knew I needed some money uh, to get myself back to where I was. Uh, 
And so I went back to the warehouse and I was there, you know, I get there, I, I pick up that Dale Carnegie book again and I'm back on this, you know, self-improvement lifestyle and just diving into it. You know, I, I, I was, I'm getting introduced to Tony Robbins, Rich Litvin, uh, Simon Sinek, uh, John Maxwell, all these big name guys and I'm just soaking it up, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm really doing my best to just be uh, the best that I can be. And I, I believe that it's through that uh, I ended up getting my first promotion. I had a guy from the sales office approach me about working working in the sales office with him. And I think at the the first time he he reached out to me, I told him, uh, you know, I, I didn't care too much for his boss, and that I, uh, you know, if anything changed, to let me know. So he comes back a few a few months later and says, "Hey, man, um, you know, my boss is moving on to another job." I said, okay, are you going to be the one heading up the job? He said, I think it might turn out that way. So a couple of weeks later, I moved into the sales office. And so now, now I'm, you know, white collar. I'm really pushing everything I've got. Um, by this time, I, I, you know, I got my own car now. I got the van just kind of sitting off to the side. I, I did, definitely didn't want to get rid of it. But, you know, I, and I'm working this job and it's a sales job. So I'm sitting in the office, I'm on the phone and I'm calling plumbers and selling them plumbing supplies. Um, and I wasn't the greatest salesman by any means, you know, but I had ambition and I was willing to learn. Um, you know, I did well. My numbers were well. There were obviously people in there doing much better than me, but I think it was my ambition and my drive um, that got me my next promotion within a year at that, at that job. You know, I became the lead of the sales department. Um, and so with that, you know, I really started trying to do whatever it took to to improve, you know, I was putting together uh, processes that I thought needed to be in, uh, improved. I was I was putting together different uh, presentations to show to my boss, uh, to really show them that I was I was dedicated to climbing the corporate ladder. That was really what I was shooting for, and you know, through the principles that I learned, you know, managing my time better, I was always able to. Uh, jump on whatever they asked me to do. And I knew when I could do it and how quickly I could do it. Um, you know, I had my own set of goals that I was setting up and knocking down uh, sales goals as well as uh, career goals. You know, having that first promotion under my belt really gave me some additional goals to look forward to as far as climbing that ladder. Um, and then making sure that I applied those concepts and those principles from Dale Carnegie's book, you know, dealing with people, you know, just, just basic timeless timeless principles uh, that I think ultimately led to my second promotion. Within just a year as a lead, I, I, got, I got promoted to uh, the sales supervisor. And, you know, that job at the, as a sales supervisor uh, really launched things. It, it, it was a growing company, so I had an opportunity to wear a lot of different hats. Um, I, was, I was in meetings with the president, vice president, other directors, um, and, and really helping shape the department. Uh, and that's, that's what I still do today. I've been in that position now for uh, almost two years. And, you know, but when I first got started, it was, that's what it's all about, you know, really applying these principles. And so I'm, I've, I've continued to, to dig into, you know, these big name people. And three concepts that I started to find were kind of the foundations for my success, as well as some of their success was, you know, better managing my time, uh, having the right set of goals and structuring those goals correctly. And then the relationships is such a big part of it. 
you know, knowing how to deal with people. And uh, that really helped me along in this path. And so I started digging into it even more. And I started getting ideas of you know, going off and working on my own. You know, at this time I had gotten married and, uh, you know, we started going, uh, going to church a lot and I started getting closer with God. And with these different ventures that I kept trying to go off and do, you know, one of them was a nonprofit, you know, I knew I wanted to help people, but I just wasn't quite sure what that looked like, you know, and I wanted to, I wanted to, to really teach the people what I had learned over seven years of, of building all of this knowledge up and applying it and it leading to a lot of success in my life. I was able to, to live out a dream road trip. Uh, I, I was able to get two promotions back to back and really set myself up, you know, got married, moved into an apartment and, uh, you know, having a, having my own house built while we're, while we're staying in this apartment, waiting for our house to be built all, all at 25, you know, and I did that from 21 to 25 uh, through that four-year span, I was able to accomplish all of that. So I wanted to give this to other people and, and, and help other people in their journeys as well. And so I didn't know what that looked like. I tried to do several other ventures, and it just uh, they just didn't seem to, to fan out. And I started to think that, you know, maybe this isn't what God has for me. Maybe maybe he wants me to stay at this job. You know, maybe he wants me to, uh, to stay here and stick it out. Maybe there's good things uh, at this job. And, you know, some more time went by and I just wasn't satisfied. I just wasn't satisfied. We kept going to church and, you know, I'd pray about it. And there became a point where I, I just realized maybe I'm just twisting his words. You know, maybe he's trying to tell me that the only way for me to move on to the next stage is to push through when things get tough. Because I think that's what I did. I think I just kind of slowed down and stopped a little bit when things got tough. You know, things with the van, you know, as, as bizarre as, as that whole concept was, uh, everything seemed to come so clearly with that. It just seemed to be so fluent. But then trying to start my own business, things, you meet a lot of turbulence along the way. So I think I started to stop. And then, you know, I decided, I said, okay, if this is what, if this is what he's trying to teach me is to push through when I, when I meet adversity, and that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to find my passion and I'm going to stick to it and I'm going to go until it goes up in flames. That's the only way, uh, that I'm going to stop is that, is that I just completely flunk out, you know? So I, I start exploring, you know, what could I do that's going to keep me lit up? It's going to keep that fire passion going. And, uh, you know, I think it was actually Simon Sinek, uh, one of his principles, you know, finding your why. And I start realizing, you know, self-improvement principles and practices have played such a large role in my life. Uh, and of course, the people I learned it from, I figured, you know what, that's, that's what I want to do. You know, it was kind of, it was kind of a, a moment for me. I was like, that's what, that's what I'm going to put my effort toward. I'm going to put my effort toward learning more and sharing what I learn and helping other people. And so I came up with uh, Peace With The Process. And I knew that if I was gonna go all in on this, one of the best ways to go all in was to get a coach. You know, a lot of the people that I listened to were coaches. And I firmly believed in the power of coaching. So I knew that one of the best ways for me to get the most out of this experience and to really go all in was to get a coach. You know, so I, I, I went on Facebook, I found a group of coaches and I started uh, interviewing, you know, I think I interviewed about seven or eight coaches and 
I found one guy who really stood out to me. And so I give him a call. I say, hey, I want to work with you. He says, okay, this is how much it's going to be. And I'll send you a bill. And when you pay me, we'll get started. I said, okay. I knew how much it was going to cost. It was more than I was comfortable with. And I think you have to pay more than you're comfortable with. You know, I think, I feel like that's the first lesson that uh, getting a coach really teaches you, you know, is that if, are you willing to invest in yourself enough? Are you willing to get out of your comfort zone? So I knew that it was something I was going to do. I knew it was something that I needed to do. And so I, you know, I told him, yes, I was confident when I was on the phone with him. But then whenever I hung up that phone, it just hit me. I was like, oh my gosh, this is, it's so much money. You know, I, I, I did, I, you know, I, I went through and I did my budget and I realized, okay, I'm pretty much going to have to set back the allowance that I had budgeted. I'm going to have to set that back. So I'm just going to have to be eating at the house every day. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to make PB and J's, you know, I'm not going to be able to go out very often or anything like that. I'm just going to have to kind of sit in here and grind. And, uh, you know, so I was, I was kind of freaking out there for a little bit and, I went outside on the, onto our porch and, you know, I, I said a prayer, you know, I wanted to talk to God and just, just make sure, you know, is this what you have for me? Is this, is this the path that you want me to take? And so, you know, I got done praying. I said, all right, you know what, I'm going to go inside and I'm going to take a nap and I'm just going to reset my brain and I'm going to get back on track. So I go inside, I take a nap. And then when I wake up from that nap, my landlord calls me at, from the apartment. She calls me and she says, hey, you know, your sister's moving in right after you because we had this set up. You know, I was going to move into uh, the house that they're building and my sister's going to move in right behind me. She said, well, you know, she already paid her her down payment. And uh, when you guys move out, we're going to give you your uh, your down payment back, you know, because we trust you. We know we know that you guys are are, are good for it and you'll you know, you'll clean up the, the apartment and everything that needs to be done. Uh, so since she gave me cash, I'll go ahead and give you this cash and then we can just consider it a wash. I don't know if it was going to be hard for her to, to deposit that cash or, or what her reasons really were, but I was like, yeah, that sounds great. Thank you so much. And it came at just the perfect time. It was enough to cover 90% of my first month's uh, coaching fees. And I just knew this was a response from God, you know, he was answering my prayer. He was saying, yeah, go for it. You know, this is, this is, this is the right path. Just keep pushing. He said, I'm going to help you out. This will get you through that first month. Um, and so I've been dedicated to it ever since Uh, I've been sticking it in and working with that coach and really being all in with it. And I'm super excited to be as far as I am today to be on this podcast, talking about the things that light me up, you know, growing and helping people go from a part-time dream to a full-time lifestyle. So today I'm still working with that coach and I'm building the brand, that brand being peace with the process, you know, and it's more than just this podcast. Uh, Peace with the process is developed as a way for me to help other people, people that have a dream, you know, that they're working on part-time, but they want to turn it into a full-time lifestyle. I've said that a few times on this, on this episode, but that's, that's really the dream, you know, to help people go through exactly what I'm going through. 
So I'm building courses. I'm putting together tools from everything that I've learned over seven years. That's almost a master's degree in three of those key areas that I firmly believe in, believe in. And that's time management, goal implementation, and relationship building. And I'm just super excited to be doing this and to be working on my passion uh, and to share this passion with other people who are equally as passionate about uh, improving themselves and working toward you know, achieving their desired lifestyle. And I couldn't be more happy to be sharing that with you. And I just want to thank you so much for checking out the Peace With The Process podcast, uh, for listening to my story. You know, I hope you find some solid value from the show. And if you hear anything that resonates with you, head over to Peace With The Process Facebook page to stay up to speed on what we have going on and join the Peace With The Process Facebook group to join in the discussions, share your experiences with the rest of the listeners. Keep in mind, I'm always building new tools and courses as I grow and learn so that you can continue to grow and learn as well. And I keep those along with the show notes from each episode on the website, peacewiththeprocess.com. Thank you guys so much for listening and I'll see you next time.